Washington may be obsessed with impeachment these days, but there's another I word out there that also deserves attention. That's I for infrastructure. The American Society of Civil Engineers did a report a couple of years ago that gave U.S. infrastructure a D plus. A more recent one from the Transportation Research Board concurred. Are we on the road to nowhere or is there hope for surface transportation in America? We'll find out from a Politico Transpo Pro in the know next. This is Hard Facts. I'm Eric Kuhn. With me in the studio is Tanya Snyder, a transportation reporter for Politico Pro and a keen observer of everything on roads, rails, rivers, and in our spacious skies. She also contributes to Politico's much-followed daily morning transportation tip sheet. Welcome, Tanya. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start with some recent news. The House and the Senate now have passed a continuing resolution that's expected to repeal the $7.6 billion in highway funding cuts that we're expecting next year. How big a deal is this maybe in the context of an election year? It's a huge relief for state departments of transportation and others in the transportation business, infrastructure building, engineers, because this was going to really hamstring states' ability to spend. And the idea was that it was going to take away unobligated contract authority. It was going to cost more than they had in unobligated contract authority for 2019, so it was going to already dip into 2020. That was something that states were really, really worried about, not only in terms of this year, but it would actually lower the baseline as they go into a new reauthorization and could potentially lower future levels of spending as well. This crisis and then the fix for it coming right as Congress is getting ready to draft a new reauthorization bill for 2020, it's a reminder that Making a rescission at the end of your bill is a pretty poor way of making the numbers work out on the front end, that you're, you're sort of baking a crisis into the bill that is going to need to be fixed later on, and you're just kicking that can down the road. It seems ironic. Nearly everyone agrees infrastructure spending falls short, and here we have a kind of skipping stone of reauthorization to reauthorization. Also coming at a time when some GOP members are claiming that partisanship is creeping into the House transportation panel's work. Are there any other roadblocks or issues that you see uh, on the horizon going into the next decade that are going to make this situation even worse? I'm a little skeptical of the idea that it's getting tremendously more partisan now. I mean, I've been covering transportation and the Transportation Infrastructure Committee in the House for 10 years. and I remember Chairman John Micah calling Amtrak a Soviet-style failing business, trying to shut down long-distance routes, which many people still are because they lose money. Again, under John Micah, a lot of people trying to say that the Highway Trust Fund should only fund highways and should not have that 20% cutout for transit. That is an argument you don't hear much very often, but that was extremely partisan. The idea also that cutting transit was part of that, but that we should reduce spending to just the revenues that we have 
you know, as the highway trust fund goes insolvent to reduce spending to those levels and ask the private sector, state and local governments to cover the rest. Those were all extraordinarily partisan issues. And so to say now that, you know, Democrats are really trying to make a a major pivot to making our transportation policy align with their climate ideals. Obviously, there's a lot of oversight over the Trump administration as well. So there is that. To say that now it's becoming partisan, I mean, I think that this has actually been going on for a while and that the ideal of a very bipartisan large committee where people can really get things done in Congress, TNI has historically filled that role, but I wouldn't say that it's always been without partisan tension. Politico is reporting that Republicans and Democrats are essentially fumbling as they try and clinch some kind of deal to fund government next year. If you had to send a message to Congress at this point about how to get beyond this in the context of transportation, what would it be? There's so much beyond transportation that they're dealing with right now. When it comes to transportation, I don't think that they have a problem. The problem comes when you are talking about a border wall. And the problem comes when you're doing it in the context of trying to impeach the president. And, you know, it was somewhat amazing that they started infrastructure talks in the spring, given how bad things were. And it was really no surprise when the partisanship ended up really tanking that process. We have, you know, the bigger picture of an election year coming up, in addition to being a new decade. Zachary Schaefer over at United for Infrastructure is going to be holding his annual forum on infrastructure in February. And it brings together a coalition of unions and transportation groups who can hear what the 2020 presidential candidates have to say. Put yourself in the moderator's chair. What would be your opening question? I think you can't have a forum like this without asking how you would pay for major infrastructure spending increases, which all of the candidates who have proposed plans and really anyone who has proposed an infrastructure plan in recent memory is proposing to bring the country's infrastructure up to the kind of quality that we would expect where we're not getting failing grades from the civil engineers every year. They need to answer for that. Those that have put out plans have generally proposed paying for them by repealing some of the Republican tax cuts. And that is also what Chuck Schumer wants to do. In order to do that, you're going to need a bigger plan to completely retake the Senate as well, because that's not going to happen anytime soon. And the gas tax is becoming even more of kind of political kryptonite than it was before, where even Democrats now are really keeping their distance. And it's not that there were any Democrats really rushing to its defense before, but saying that in the context of having recently given these massive tax cuts to the wealthy, to corporations, now is not the time to pass what many consider to be a regressive tax that hits working class people hardest. What has always seemed like the simplest and easiest mechanism for increasing revenues is just as politically unpopular as it's ever been. But I think that the other question that I would ask is also how these candidates would use transportation policy to achieve our national goals. I mean, not just, okay, there's roads and there's rails and there's transit. How much money do we put into each? First, really trying to figure out how does transportation fit into our national goals for air quality, for emissions reduction, for health 
using active transportation methods and having infrastructure that encourages walking and biking and public transportation that people walk to and from. What are our goals in terms of congestion in our cities, in terms of livability in our cities, in terms of affordable housing, public space? I think that transportation is a really wonderful way of either achieving or creating roadblocks to achieving all of these national and local level goals that we may have, and people don't often think of transportation that way. So I would challenge our candidates to think of transportation that way. You make it seem so logical when you relate it to the environment, air quality, time lost for people commuting, and, and there are all sorts of statistics about how much time we spend getting from one place to another. And that long commutes lead to divorce and depression. <laughs> and years lost in a cumulative lifetime. Is there a slogan, is there a campaign slogan or line that you could think of 20 candidates delivering to voters to impress upon them the value of this? You know, we can think back to, it's the economy, stupid, in a previous <laughs> election. How can we really get people engaged in this so that it's as much an issue as, uh, say, healthcare at least, to be considered in its turn during this campaign? sloganeering and campaign messaging is not my forte. But I do think that transportation is a great issue because it impacts people's daily lives. It's something that they don't often stop to think about, but it's very easy to engage them because they do see it and live it all the time. That may not be true for something like air cargo, but certainly for passenger travel, they really do and how transportation systems shape their cities and their commute patterns and their lives. I really like it as a beat personally because people do relate to it in that way. Is it going to be like healthcare? My first reaction is, well, you know, we're not facing this sort of crisis in transportation that we are in healthcare, but actually maybe we are. We've been facing a crisis in transportation for a really long time, but it's this kind of low simmer that we don't pay much attention to. It never comes to the front burner. You know, it's always people's number two issue. When will it get its chance at number one? I mean, maybe once we take care of health care, immigration, and climate, that'll be a while. You know, it seems as though both sides of the aisle these days support more strict federal oversight of self-driving vehicles, which I know you're very interested in. With your interest, what would you like to see happen to make self-driving cars a reality sooner than later? Well, I don't want them to be a reality any sooner than they're ready. And I think that there is a very interesting conversation that is being had about do they need to be perfect or do they need to be a fraction better than a human driver? And if they're a fraction better than a human driver and we can reduce roadway deaths from 36 and some thousand a year to 35 and some thousand a year, isn't it worth it? I don't know, and I don't know that we're there. When you look at something like the Uber crash in Tempe, you had a bicyclist come out from a place that was where the driver, if the driver had been paying attention, would not have necessarily expected there to be a pedestrian. It should have been the perfect situation in which a self-driving car shows how much safer it can be than a human driver. It can detect a moving object in the dark better than a human driver can, you know, before the headlights reach it, the sensors reach it, and identify it, figure out what it is. But the system got it completely wrong. I mean, just got it completely, completely wrong and ended up killing this woman. 
so I think that that showcased both the the promise and the tragedy of it. That should have been the exact situation in which a self-driving car really proves its mettle and it failed. So there were a lot of failures up and down the chain of why that happened. And some of those have been corrected at Uber, but we still don't have anything really approaching government oversight at this point. We have, as NTSB recently complained, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration saying, if you want to do this kind of safety self-assessment, you know, a company can do that and can send it in. NHTSA will put it on its website and it serves basically as marketing. And NTSB was saying it needs to be mandatory and it needs to be evaluated and approved. NHTSA needs to do its due diligence and say, you have thought through all of these safety issues and you have tested them and we are certifying. You know, that they're not proposing to certify the vehicle itself but to certify that companies have plans and have thought through these issues. That is something that has been proposed in legislation as well, and this legislation hasn't gotten across the finish line, but NHTSA could do it. DOT could do it. They don't have to wait for Congress to tell them to. Well, beyond driverless cars, we're seeing uh, transportation converging with technology in, in lots of new ways. Can you think of any broader or more creative applications in transport where technology can deliver a game changer, let's say, in the next decade that we're about to uh, enter? I do like to think of it multimodally, and I do like to take ourselves out of the realm of just cars and making a better car, a safer car, a, a less polluting car, and think of it in terms of rail. I mean, rail is such an underutilized mode in this country. And we have just fallen so unbelievably far behind the rest of the world in terms of rail being affordable. I mean, we pay so much more to go so much slower on a so much less reliable, less comprehensive network. It might seem less technologically forward thinking unless we're talking about maglev or hyperloop or something like that. But I mean, gosh, if we just had regular old high-speed rail like they do in Europe and Asia, wouldn't that be a game changer for this country? Given the fact that we're looking into a new decade and we may see extraordinary new applications of technology in transportation, what will it take for us to really get serious and have some sort of breakthrough in our transportation network? Pick any modality, rail, river, sky, that you think when you're dreaming of a brighter future for your children, might really make a difference? The easy and obvious answer is that it's going to take more funding, and it's going to take more vision. It's also going to take, I think, breaking down silos at the Department of Transportation and in the federal government in terms of how, and potentially in terms of congressional committees, in terms of how we plan for and regulate transportation. DOT has started to do that. They have this new and emerging technologies in Transportation Council. Am I getting that acronym right? The NET Council that was really established to look at modes like Hyperloop and other kind of new and emerging technologies that don't fit neatly into one of the modal silos that we have at DOT and to not always kind of bog down an exciting new transportation technology with innovation moving at the speed of light and then government moving at the speed of glaciers, 
you know, you just slow down the rate at which these things can really start to transform our lives and our cities and our way of life. That's something that this administration takes really seriously, trying to streamline some of those processes that have weighed down innovation so much. Taking all of that seriously when it comes to funding, streamlining, and uh, multimodalism is a good start. Well, I think we all agree that more funding, and a lot of it, is the solution to this issue. When you talk about multimodalities, can you begin to sense where the priority is. Say you have a huge pot of money that's going to be thrown at this. How do you begin to determine where the priorities are that will have the greatest benefit to the greatest number of people? Well, I think you start, and this isn't a mode, this is fixing the infrastructure that we have. To build new infrastructure, only to watch it fall into disrepair and not get fixed, not be maintained is just throwing good money after bad. And I think that we need to start to show that we are good for this and that we are worthy of this investment and that we are going to take care of the investments that we make. So starting with fixing existing infrastructure and bringing our infrastructure up to a state of good repair, I mean, just having systems that work well would be a game changer. So I think that we would start there. In other words, if one day you have a fabulous self-driving car But the highway is so pitted with potholes that driving, even as a passenger in a self-driving car... And the bridge has been shut down because it can't bear the weight and it's structurally deficient or, or obsolete. So like our interstate system, it's all interconnected and the solution is going to start with infrastructure. Absolutely. For those who aren't familiar with Politico's morning transportation, the tip sheet always has a fun playlist and snippet of song lyrics about roads, rails, and you get the idea. What's your favorite road song? And can you close us out with uh, a little something a cappella? I'm definitely not going to sing. Nobody wants to hear that. Anytime that you see on our playlist anything from Sesame Street or anything like that about riding your tricycle, that's definitely me. I'm the only one on the team with kids at this point. But no, we do have a great playlist and people should definitely listen to it. I really enjoy when I go to a transportation event and I hear our transportation playlist playing in the background. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have a Politico Transpo Pro in the know here with us. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for riding along. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this edition of Hard Facts a podcast production of the Portland Cement Association. I'm Eric Kuhn.